Hey everybody, thank you for taking time to listen to this message. I pray that it's a blessing to you. And I want to remind you today, no matter what's going on in your life or around the world, the Lord Jesus loves you. God has got everything under control. And cheer up, friend. Jesus is soon coming. May the Lord Jesus bless you and keep you. God bless you. If um, the creek don't rise or um, whatever happens. But uh, so Romans chapter 14, uh, we looked last week, Romans chapter 13 and um the beginning of Romans chapter 13 deals with Christian citizenship. And then uh, the last part of Romans 13 deals with Christian duty. What we are to do is what we looked at uh, last week. And so uh, Paul continues to uh, deal with um, the Christian in a different way in chapter number 14. And he deals with that in Christian liberty. And that is what um, all of chapter number 14 is about is the liberty that is found in Christ. And before, before we read, just uh, kind of give me your ear just for a moment. And as we, as we find, as we look at church, we know that um, church is made up of people. And where there's people, um, there's opinions. And where there's opinions, there's problems. Amen? And um, all of us have a different opinion. All of us... Uh, um, see things a little differently in a different angle. And, and so it can sometimes cause problems. One preacher made the statement, he said, the ministry would be wonderful if you didn't have to deal with people. But if there was no people, there would be no ministry. Reality of that is true. And so when you think about church, there's a lot of times we describe um, church in one of two ways, the things of the church in one or two ways. We either describe it as being um, a liberal or we describe it as being legalistic. Now, there is a, there's a fine line between liberalism and legalism. But let me just say this. I'm, as, I'm just as scared of legalism as I am liberalism. Amen. And a lot of times what happens is, is if we're not careful, we become like the people that Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 4, where he deals with, he said, makes this statement, he says, For one saith, I'm, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. And he asks this question, he says, Are you not carnal? And so when we come when, in church, a lot of times if we're not careful, we will develop this mindset that. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm a follower of this preacher. Now, I know y'all don't have them in, in Tennessee, but in Mississippi, we had what we called preacher followers. And um, they would go to church as long as they liked the preacher. And as soon as, if that preacher left and went to another church, uh, then they would follow him down, down the road. And um, so I, I know there, that, that must just be a Mississippi thing. I know it's not here, but... Uh, but you, you have that. You have these people, especially independent Baptists. Independent Baptists is like lifesavers. It just depend, depends on what flavor you want. Um, you talk to some people and they'll say, well, I, I, I'm of this, of this sect or I'm of this sect or I graduated from this college or I went to this college and that, that was under this person or this is my brand. And, that, and so it, it causes a lot of confusion when you begin to deal with uh, with people who are what Paul says are weak in the faith, and you begin to uh, begin to deal with all this and begin to 
try to bring them over to your side, if you will, it causes a lot of confusion. It causes a, a lot of, of hurt feelings, a lot of confusion. And we know that God is not the author of confusion. And so in chapter number 14, Paul begins to deal with this, this mindset. And there are some things that are, that are in the Word of God that is 110% crystal clear. But there are some things that's not so clear. There's some things when God said what He said, that's it and that's fine. But there are some things that we do, let's just be real honest, we don't really have a chapter and a verse for. It's not crystal clear. Now, there are some things in church worth causing a stink over. There are some things in church that are worth standing for. When you start talking about Bible doctrines, when you start talking about the Word of God, when you start talking about what the Word of God teaches, that's worth standing for. But do you know that reality of it is, many times when a church splits, it's very rarely over doctrinal issues. It's mostly over practical issues. I guarantee you, I, I don't know, know a whole lot of the history of this church, but if you, if, if you mark down uh, a lot of the people that have left down through the years, very rarely will you find they leave for a doctrinal issue. It's always personal. It's always something very, very, uh, very small, and in the scheme of eternity, it means absolutely nothing. And so this is what Paul is dealing with in Romans chapter number 14. And so he gives us an insight of how that we are to, to deal with these type of things. There's, there's people, and there again, in every church, there's going to be people that are at different processes of their Christian life. There's going to be some that are still, uh, still, as Paul would say, they're still on the milk of the Word. They should be on the meat of the Word, but they're on the milk. They're still on the bottom. That it does not matter. They, they, I've seen people in pastoring, and uh, Brother Tim, you have too, that have been saved 50 years. Uh, but you would never know they've been saved 50 years uh, uh, by their spirituality. Then there, there's been people that I've seen that have been saved five months and has surpassed uh, uh, that person who's been saved 50 years in their spirituality. It is not, it is not up, it, 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 it is not God that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow this one spiritually and leave this one back here. But it is God's will that everybody grows spiritually. It is up to us to determine how fast we will go. You can either go the slow lane or you can go in the fast lane. And if you're not careful, you can be that person that's in the fast lane going slow and keeping everybody else from going fast. And um, so you have to be careful on both ends. So in Romans chapter number 14, that is, that, that's setting the scene for what Paul is going to deal with. Now I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Romans 14, verse number 1, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, 
for God is able to make him stand. So we see in verse number 1 down through verse number 4, Paul is dealing with a claiming here. He talks about claiming this person. Now, he makes this statement about him that is weak in the faith. Now, it is, it is imperative for us to understand that he is not talking about someone that is a heretic. He's not talking about someone who does not believe in God. But he's talking about someone that has been saved by the grace of God that in the faith. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he gives us the admonishment to, to receive them. That word receive means to welcome. It means to accept. It means to take uh, to take to oneself. And we find that this is not only the, 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 the only time that this is, is mentioned, but rather in the New Testament, this is a common theme throughout the Word of God. For people to take other people unto themselves and to teach them. We would know it as this word, discipleship. Remember what Jesus said when He is, he is going, uh, He is being resurrected and He is uh, going to ascend to the Father. And He tells His disciples, He says, Go into all nations, teaching and preaching in My name. And, and, and then He goes on to say, Teaching them all things, uh, all things that I have taught you. And I, I'm paraphrasing that. And so it is a common it is a common practice in the Word of God and the will of God for believers to disciple other believers. Now, me personally, I believe that's probably where the church has failed in the last forty and fifty years is discipleship. A person gets saved, they get baptized, they join the church, and that's about it. But that should not be the way. That's a different sermon for a different day. So there's discipleship. But then in, in, in Titus chapter number 2, uh, notice these verses. I'm going to read them very quick. Titus 2 verse number 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Notice this. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. The aged women likewise. That they be, be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. Notice this. That they may teach the young women to be sober. To live, to uh, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, uh, to, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Verse number six: Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptedness, uh, uh, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And so we, have, we see uh, in Titus chapter number 2 uh, that he is writing to, young, to the older women to teach the younger, younger women. But he also makes this statement that it, it, it could, we could say, well, see, it's only uh, older women supposed to teach younger women and, and so that the young men just kind of go, uh, go off by themselves. That, that, that seems unfair. But there again, remember what he said in verse number 6, young men exhort to, uh, to be sober-minded. So if the, if the older women are teaching the younger women to do all the things they're doing, remember what he said about older men to be what? Sober-minded. And so if the older women are teaching the younger women, what do you think the older men are supposed to be teaching the younger men? To be sober-minded. And so it is, it is a, a thing throughout Scripture uh, for, the young, for the older to teach the younger of how to conduct themselves and how to do. And so this is what Paul is, uh, one thing that Paul is dealing with uh, 
in Romans chapter number 14. It's so that him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, bring him to yourself. Let him in on you, if you will. Disciple him. Now notice what he says, but not to doubtful disputations. Now, now here's the thing. When we say a person who is, who is weak, maybe a person that has just now gotten saved, they're a young Christian. It does not matter if they're, if they're 75 years old, if they just got saved. When they're 74, their age may not be, uh, may not be young, if you will, uh, but they, their spirituality is young. So you have this person, whatever age they are, they get born again. And so Paul says, uh, you that are strong, let them in on you. You bring them to yourself and you, you receive them. But here's how you don't receive them. Don't receive them uh, to doubtful uh, disputations, which means it's uh, don't bring them in uh, to win them to your side. Don't bring them in uh, to, to change their mind to think the way you think. And so it's not our job to straighten out this, this weaker person. Uh, only the Bible and the Spirit of God can do that. And so he says this per- we see this person that he's dealing with. Not only do we see the person, but we see the practice. Now Paul gives this example. He's dealing with this person... Uh, uh, that, he, that thinks it's okay to eat meat and this person that does not think it's okay to eat meat. And isn't it interesting that a lot of times uh, that, that, that we let our differences drive a wedge between us as God's people? I, I mean, silly, uh, uh, immature things we let wedge between us and our brothers and sisters in Christ. There again, there's some things that are worth fighting for. There's some things that are worth standing for. There, there's some things that, 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 that I, I, I will flat-footedly stand and fight with everything about me. But there's some things that it's just not a heel worth dying on. Remember, a bulldog can whoop a skunk, but it ain't always worth the stink. <laughs> there's just some things that ain't worth fighting for. It's not a heel worth dying on. And so this, there again, this is the things that Paul is dealing with. He, he gives this first example. There again, it deals with diets. Uh, uh, but then later on in verse number 5, down through verse number, uh, verse number uh, 8, I mean verse number 7, he don't deal with diets, but he deals with days. It is the same, same principle, uh, just a different thing. Uh, so let's, uh, we're not going to look at both of them, but let's just look at this first one. Uh, first of all, we see this first example is the believer who eats meat and the other believer who does not eat. And so notice what he says, verse number 4. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? Uh, to his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Now, I, I go back up to verse number 3 very quick. Let him that eateth, uh, let him not, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Now notice that word despise. That word despise means to show contempt. It means to treat them as nothing. It, it, it goes, it gives the idea that when that person sees them, they're disgusted at them. So Paul, he's saying this, he said, for this person, let, uh, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. So that person who thinks that it's okay to eat meat, 
should not look at the person who says it's not okay to eat meat and despise them. Look at them with disgust. So, then he has a word to say about this person who does not eat. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. Now that word judge, it means to criticize. It means to separate or to isolate. So here's the picture. You have one person that is looking at another person with disgust. Then you have this other person that is looking at this other person and they're, they're separating themselves from them. They're isolating themselves from this person. All over, whether to eat meat or not to eat meat. Now you say, that's crazy. That may be crazy in our view, but people do that over a lot smaller stuff than meat and vegetables in our day. And so this idea of despising, this idea of judging. And so Paul, he says the reason that the, that the stronger brother should not look at the weaker brother and despise him and the reason that the weaker brother should not look at the stronger brother and judge him is because of verse number 4. He says, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? He says, you are not... You are not to, to judge it. He, he, he poses the question, why are you judging another man's servant? Whose servant are we to be? Christ. God's. Christ. So I should have no say in what another man's servant is doing. Do you not think that the, that the master of the servant can correct the servant if he's wrong? Absolutely. And so now there again, this is not dealing with heresy. This is not dealing with Bible doctrine. This is not dealing with someone. This is dealing with two believers. And so he makes this, he, he deals with that. Verse, there again, verse number five and six, the same uh, principle dealing with uh, days rather than diets. But notice verse number, there again, we see the perspective in verse number four. God is able to change. He's able to convict. He's able to correct that individual that's wrong. And so we not only see the, the uh, claiming in verse number one and four through four, but we see the connection then in verse number seven and verse through, down through verse number nine. Notice verse number seven. For none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. And so we see that Paul, the Word of God is telling us there again, that our relationship with each other is not built to be built upon diets. It's not to be built upon days and using the, the analogies that he has used. But it's to be, to be built upon deity. It's to be built upon Jesus Christ. Listen, if we try to build our relationship with each other off our convictions, we're going to differ. I guarantee you, everybody in here this, this morning, none of you are probably going to have the same exact conviction about everything that I have. And that's okay. Because I'm at a different place spiritually than you are. 
Some I may be above you. As some, you may be above me. And you may look at my convictions and say, well, he's weak on that. He needs to get stronger. But I'm not where you are. And I may look at you and say, well, they're awful weak on this. They need to, they need to go from here to here. But there again, I, you're not where I'm at. And so we cannot base our, our fellowship, we cannot base our relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ based on convictions. We have to base it on this. We're both, we're both saved by the grace of God. We may differ on a lot of things, but one thing is for sure. The ground was level at Calvary. And if you're saved and I'm saved, we do have one thing in common. And we have the same Savior. We may not agree on, may not be able to agree on everything, but we can agree on one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. And friend, when we begin to build our relationships based on what, based on convictions, based on preferences, based on things that are not clearly spelled out in the Word of God. We are destined for trouble. And just like the, just this time of year, this is a very controversial time of year. I mean, you think at Christmas. I, I remember I, I, I pastored a, a couple. They hated Christmas. Anytime when Christmas rolled around, and they stopped coming to church the first Sunday in December, and they didn't come back to the first Sunday in, in January. They, hate, they hated Christmas. They didn't decorate. They didn't do anything. They didn't sing Christmas carols. And that's the whole reason they didn't come to church was because they knew we'd be singing Christmas songs. They wasn't having it. And man, they, they would they would fuss and they would uh, they would have, I mean, just just a horrific idea, just uh, uh, things to say about church because we decorated. There's there's people, I guarantee you, that wouldn't come in that had the mindset, I wouldn't come in this building because they they have they have Christmas decorations up. Uh, but there again, you, you think about it. Uh, you think about it, people say, well, it's pagan. And it's all based in pagan roots. But then you have the other side that says, this is the most wonderful time of the year. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. What better, what, what better time of the year to celebrate it than this? Uh, who's right and who's wrong? It's not spelled out in the Word of God, is it? So we can't say this side is right and this side is wrong. So how do we deal with that? We deal with it by saying our basis is not upon what you think about a day. Our basis is, is Jesus Christ. If you don't want to celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate Christmas. You'll be a lot richer than the rest of us at the beginning of the year. <laughs> But don't let the one who don't want to celebrate Christmas, this is what the Bible said, don't despise the ones that do. And the ones that do, don't judge the ones that don't. Let every man be accountable to God as just as you are. Not only do you think about Christmas, same way with Easter. Man, you, you have some people who, I'm not celebrating Easter. I'm not having anything to do with Easter. And then you have some, man, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We get to celebrate the uh, resurrected Lord. I mean, it's great. I love him. Who's right and who's wrong? There again, nowhere in the Bible is it spelled out. You think about worship in church. Well, that's a big name. Some, man, some of you, your, your theme song is, I shall not be moved. Anchored in my pew, I shall not be moved. 
Right? I mean, some people like it solemn. I mean, they like it quiet. They want the anthems. They just want it mediocre. And then you have people like me, who if the church sounds like a honky-tonk, I feel right at home. <laughs> who's right and who's wrong? And then you, then you think not only worship, you have, you, I mean, you have some people who, man, they want to clap. They, they want to clap. And then there's somebody, oh, we can't clap in church. <laughs> who's right? Who's wrong? I know what you're thinking. Who's right is the way you think it should be, isn't it? It's not spelled out in Scripture. But isn't that what we split hairs over? Man, some people like some people like a preacher to act like he's a wild man when he's preaching. Some you act like a wild man and that they ain't coming back. Who's right and who's wrong? It's not spelled out, is it? So we all have differences. And the way we handle those differences is, is that if it is not specifically spelled out in Scripture, I can't look down at you because you see different than I do. Nor can you look down at me because you see differently than me. Because our basis of fellowship is not based upon those things. It's based upon that He is Lord and we are His children. Amen. And if we base our fellowship upon that, nothing mediocre will, just, will cause us to have disunity. So the thing that makes church great is this, is that the, and, and, and if, if you and I, and I'm, I'm just saying this, if you and I can get a hold of this principle, this church can be, can be something that is great, greater than what it is now and rise above every other church in Shelbyville. And this is the principle. That you and I can be brothers and sisters in Christ without being twins. You're going to see things different than I am. I'm going to see things different than I am. I have convictions about my family you're not going to have about your family. But those are things God instilled in my heart. And if God does not instill it in your heart, who am I to judge you because you don't have what I have? You could be right and I could be wrong. There's been a, there, there's been a few times in my ministry I have downgraded good men. Good, godly men. Because they thought different in a matter that did not mean nothing than I did. And I probably, I, because of my stupidity, people that that person probably could have helped, he'll never be able to help because I opened up my mouth when I should have kept it closed. And then there have been people that have been that that I believe is good godly people, but have have railroaded me because I thought differently 
than them on an issue. There's, there's good godly people that will not let me preach in their pulpit because I have facial hair. What, what is that? But yet, there's been people I wouldn't let preach for something silly too. So we have to understand that our basis is not upon this, this, this stuff that don't matter. Our basis is, has to be upon Jesus and Him alone. Listen, I believe, I, I, I believe, don't fall out, I'm going to say, but I believe when you come to church, you ought to dress right. But if a person think if a person wants to wear blue jeans and a t-shirt, you know what I'm saying? I'll say, hallelujah, they're here. It does not, those things does not matter in the scheme of eternity. But how many people have been turned away throughout churches, throughout history, because we're majoring on the minors and letting the major things go? And so this is what Paul is dealing with, is this Christian liberty. We have liberty in Christ. Notice the conclusion here in verse number 10. He says, uh, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy, bro thy brother? Then it goes on to say, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of, of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Listen, the, big, the, the, the issue is not that they're going to stand before me and give an account for, for, for themselves. They're going to stand before God. And if they're willing to meet God with what they're doing, then who am I to say anything about it? If I'm willing to meet God doing what I am doing, who are you to say anything about it? Who are we to split hairs over this if that person is saved and the way they're living, the way they're conducting themselves, they, if they are willing to meet God there, you know what I need to do? I just need to back off and say, they're not giving an account to me. They're going to give an account to God. I can't straighten them out. God can. And so if they're wrong and they're God, He'll deal with them. You know what? It'll be a great day in our Christian life when we realize our job is not to straighten people out. Our job is just to win people to Christ. And let God straighten them out. For years, at the beginning of my ministry, I thought that I could straighten people out if I preached hard enough, if I preached enough on it, and just time after time after time, and browbeat it into their head, I could change them. And you know what? I, I, I have saw where, where I have done it enough that people changed. But you know why they changed? They changed for me. And the very moment I was out of the picture, you know what they did? They went right back to doing what they was doing. They wasn't changing for God. They're changing for me. Boy, it's a very dangerous thing to do. Because if they'll change for me, when the next person comes on, he may, he may be preaching something, some heresy. You know what they'll do? They'll change for him. So notice verse, notice verse number 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or occasion to fall 
in his brother's way. This morning as we think about this Christian liberty and as chapter number 14 begins to continue on with that of being a stumbling block to those who are weaker. There again, so many times we, we look at people and we wonder why they're not where we are spiritually. But there again, everybody matures differently. So the resolution of, of what we should do today is this, is that we're not, we don't, we're not going to separate or we're not going to isolate from one another anymore because we disagree on petty differences. But let's focus on this one thing, that I'm not a stumbling block. And so many, so many people have been turned off from Christianity because of the fact They've had these, these people, these certain people that have tried to convince them everything about them is wrong, but everything about this other person is right. And they have turned off Christianity as a whole because there again, all of us, what we do is right, right? None of us within ourselves is wrong. So we think what we think and what we do is the way everybody ought to do it. But is it really? Is the Bible specific on those things? And if the Bible is not specific on it, should we be definite on it? I say not. And listen, this is as, as much for me as it is for you that there again, we focus not on making people like us, but let's just focus on us becoming like Christ. And one of the hardest, there again, one of the hardest things for me to do is to realize that I cannot straighten anybody out. And neither can you. So you know what I have to do? I have to work. Matter of fact, I can't even get myself straight, much less to straighten anybody else out. Amen goes right there. <laughs> but yet, isn't that what we spend so much time doing? We oftentimes try to straighten somebody else out when we can't even keep ourselves the way we, where we need to be. And there again, don't misunderstand me. I'm in no way, shape, form, or fashion saying you ought to go, you ought to just embrace that person who discredits the Word of God. I'm no way in shape, form, or fashion am I saying you should you should just be you should just embrace a person who does not believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about people in the faith that just think, sees things a little bit different than we do to receive them. Because they may learn from you and there again, you may learn from them. What does the Bible say in the book of Proverbs? Iron sharpeneth 
are. As Miss Marie come, comes and is ready for the invitation, I want to ask you this morning, have you, have you, ever, have you ever really just thought about why we separate ourselves from our brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, th th think about this. It, I read this this week and it was so relevant to this. It says, when there are, are so few Christians in this world, why do we make it so difficult for any of them to be our friend? I mean, think about it. There are so few Christians, but we make it so difficult to be their friend. Because if we don't agree with every dot and every tittle, we isolate ourselves from them, don't we? Are y'all bad just because y'all sure are quiet? <laughs> but think about it. Why, why do we do that? Because we always want to be right, right? So as we, there again, as we think about this, let's don't be, be so quick to throw somebody under the bus just because they do something a little different than what we do. Now there again, if it's clear in the word of God, I believe you have biblical right, as we'll see in the next few chapters, to divide from them. But if it's not spelled out specifically in the word of God, you know what we got to do? We got to say that's God's job, not mine. And how much better would church be if we would come with that attitude? How much more people could we reach with the gospel of Christ if we, had, if we would realize that our job's not to straighten them out our job is just to win them to Christ and let God do the rest. Preaching's a whole lot more fun when you can just preach and the results is up to God. Living the Christian life's a whole much more fun if you just live it and let God handle the rest. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. There again, very different idea, very different subject. But oh, how